from the corner of 16th and Peachtree Street, right next to the High Museum of Art in Midtown Atlanta. Welcome to the First Presbyterian Church. I'm Senior Pastor Tony Sundermeyer, and I want to thank you for tuning in to today's broadcast. And I would invite you now to join us in the worship of God. Our scripture of focus this morning is Romans chapter 1, verses 8 through 15. If you'd like to follow along on your pew Bible, it's on page 142 of the New Testament. Listen for God's word to us today. First, I thank my God through Jesus Christ for all of you, because your faith is proclaimed throughout the world. For God, whom I serve with my spirit by announcing the gospel of his Son, is my witness that without ceasing I remember you always in my prayers, asking that by God's will I may somehow at last succeed in coming to you. For I am longing to see you so that I may share with you some spiritual gift to strengthen you, or rather so that we may be mutually encouraged by each other's faith, both yours and mine. I want you to know, brothers and sisters, that I have often intended to come to you, but thus far have been prevented, in order that I may reap some harvest among you, as I have, as I have among the rest of the Gentiles. I am a debtor both to Greeks and to barbarians, both to the wise and to the foolish, hence my eagerness to proclaim the gospel to you also who are in Rome. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Let us pray. God, thank you for calling us into partnership around the world. Open our hearts to the word that you have to preach today through the mouths of your servants and through the mouths of your servants in other places in the world. We give you thanks for all of them. In Christ we pray. Amen. After each of our meditations, we will sing a verse of the hymn Thuma Mina that can be found in your hymnal or in your bulletin. The words are printed. It is very short and a simple tune to give us time to meditate for a moment as we transition to the next meditation. Today, I will be reflecting a bit on a trip that we took to Jamaica last July. 41 youth and adults from our congregation, as well as from Hillside Presbyterian Church in Decatur, near Atlanta, came together to visit our partners in the United Church of Jamaica and the Cayman Islands, which I'll call the United Church for short. We left the resort areas of Montego Bay for the inward parts of Jamaica in central Jamaica around Spalding, and we loaded into these two buses from Knox College, a small college in Spalding, and went up in the mountains of Jamaica, the beautiful green mountains. We packed into these, into these buses, and then we came into the dorms of Knox College where we packed ourselves into the boys' dorm and the girls' dorm, respectively. And we had about all 15 or so women sharing two bathrooms, missional living at its finest. Each day we rode the buses from our dorms up to the Mount Olivet Boys Home where we partner with a congregation, Mount Olivet, and this boys home that allows boys whose families are unable to take care of them at home to have a safe place to live, three square meals a day, an opportunity for an education, and job training for the older young men. 
The home rests on the property of the Mount Olivet Church, so part of the property is dedicated to the orphanage and part is dedicated to the church. And so some of the people in our group were down the hill doing some work on the chicken coop for the boys' home, and others of us were in the sanctuary helping with Vacation Bible School, which our partners had prepared and invited us to participate in. On those mornings that we did VBS, an elder from the Mount Olivet Church would gather the children and line them up on the pews with the smallest ones in the front, and she would look at them in the eye each day and remind them of how beloved they were in the eyes of God. You are a child of God, created in God's image. And then she would turn to remind each one of them what we are to be grateful for that God has given us, the simplest, most basic things. And she would again look them in the eye and walk across the sanctuary and say, you have breath in your lungs. Can you feel that? You woke up this morning and you made it here. You are in a safe place and you are loved. The elder would go through this every single day, reminding the children of the most basic reasons to be thankful to God, air, love, clothing, a safe place to go. On the last morning of VBS, I tried to remember her words and take them to heart, and so my memory of the rest of the morning kind of faded into the heat of Jamaica, and I, the next thing I remember was the afternoon when it was even hotter, and I was sitting on a pew in the sanctuary waiting for something to happen because we're all working in Jamaica time and my American mind wanted to do something. And all of a sudden I heard this music come up on the speakers in the sanctuary, and it was Whitney Houston's 1990s version of an Isaac Watts hymn, I Love the Lord Who Heard My Cry. Wondering where this was coming from and why it was playing, all of a sudden I see this young adult from the United Church of Jamaica who was staying with us in one of the dorms come up the aisle and start liturgically dancing. And as the song went, I love the Lord who heard my cry, she went forward down the aisle with open hands toward the front of the sanctuary as if she were ready to receive God's ear. And then as the song continued and pitied every groan, she placed her hands in front of her face to remind herself of the times when God heard her at her most vulnerable moments and then when the song expressed, long as I live and troubles rise, I'll hasten to the throne, she hastened to the front of the sanctuary, pressing her hands forward toward the cross, toward the table, hastening to God. And as she danced, a young woman from Hillside Presbyterian joined in with the dance, starting to learn the motions, and they both arrived at the front of the sanctuary with their hands in the air, praising God. The elder woman who taught the children in VBS knew more than I did about what it means to hasten to the throne. Those two young women dancing down the aisle taught me about what it means to hasten to the throne, and those little children in VBS likely knew a little bit more than I did as well. In that moment, I became deeply aware of how I needed to come to God's throne with my hands wide open, empty, ready to receive, and be mutually encouraged by the faith of others, just as those two women dancing down the aisles were encouraged by each other's faith, just as those children were encouraged by the faith of the elder. I come 
to the front of the sanctuary with my hands open, ready to receive God's power. Amen. One of the critical elements of our global partnership, something that roots them uh, deeply in our relationships with one another, is the notion of mutuality. Uh, Paul talks about mutuality in Romans 1 from the text that uh, Lee read for us this morning. He says this, For I am longing to see you, so that I may share with you some spiritual gift to strengthen you, or rather so that we may be mutually encouraged by each other's faith, both your faith and my faith. One of the great gifts of my five years here at First Presbyterian Church is the experience of this mutuality and the experience of an encouragement of faith actually in country. When I've got to spend time in Brazil, time in Kenya, time in Haiti, and time in Jamaica. And I look forward to the day that I'll have the opportunity to do the same with our partners in Cuba. But one of the strengths of our global mission and our global partnerships is that it is a two-way street. Uh, It is not just people of First Presbyterian Church going out. It's also receiving the gifts of these partners and the faith that they bring to life, a faith that has changed me, a faith that has changed us. I, I liken it to the text where so many of our partners have become my Paul. They've become our Paul as they have to quote him, share their spiritual strength with me and with our congregation. I really am convinced, I said this to our brothers and sisters from Kenya this morning at the nine o'clock service, I really am convinced that I'm a better Christian and I'm a better pastor because of what I have learned and how I've been formed in these particular relationships. Well, as Lee mentioned, we have a series of, of meditations, and my task this morning is to help tell God's story as I have experienced it, uh, particularly in Kenya and in Haiti. Obviously, these are two very, very different contexts, uh, but something that knits them together is a ministry that is apparent both in Kenya and in Haiti and also apparent in our other partnerships as well. And it's a focus on the ministry of economic empowerment, the ministry of economic empowerment. Uh, The dignity of work, the opportunity to participate freely and equally in the marketplace, uh, the power that local people have when they do participate in the marketplace, the power they have not just to provide for their own families, not just to provide for their friends, but to provide for their larger communities and create uh, economies that are strong and vibrant. This is something that has shaped my theology. It's something that has shaped my understanding of Christian witness, particularly as Presbyterians, when we think about our faith acted out in the world, we have a principle of this, that we believe our faith is acted out in the world. It's not a private affair. I've learned so much from these Christians who have led in ministries of economic empowerment. In fact, so much I think of my own approach and my own engagement here in Atlanta 
when it comes to our work with social entrepreneurship as one of our long-term goals and our work with the Epiphany Project that ended this past uh, year. It's ongoing, but we celebrated this past year in February. Uh, Epiphany Project that will launch again in the, in the new year. So much of this uh, structure, so much of these ideas, so much of this theology has been shaped by our global partners, teaching our church about economic empowerment as a ministry of the gospel of Jesus Christ. It's like what I learned from a woman in Kenya. I met her and her husband and her four children uh, during my last visit there. They live in a town called Chaka, which is not too far from Mount Kenya. The Presbyterian Church of East Africa, which is twice the size of the PCUSA, our denomination here in the States, uh, the, the Presbyterian Church of East Africa has a congregation in Chaka, and one of their vibrant ministries is the Ministry of Microfinance. They have a program there that's actually supported and led by juniors and seniors in high school at the Mount Kenya Academy. They manage the books, they go through applications, they help uh, work with the loans, they help work with those who are borrowing with their business plan, and they support that work from start to finish. The woman that I met told me about how with her husband physically unable to work, he wasn't able to work, how she couldn't, her family couldn't afford the fees that were required to send her children to school. Small fees by our standards, but fees of a monetary value that was significant to this household. How was she going to have her children educated? She is a person of deep faith. She's an active member of the church, and she applied for a loan, a microfinance loan, through this program that we help support. She bought with that first loan just a handful of chickens, just a few chickens. And now she is in her third loan. She's paid off her first two in a timely way with a small interest, and she now, in this little town, has her own micro farm where she has chickens and goats and vegetables. She has quadrupled the size of her home. She's quadrupled the size of her home, and she sends all four of her children to school. And the interest from her previous two loans builds the principle of the whole program so that other entrepreneurs and small business owners can have access to these funds so they can grow their ventures and consequently and subsequently rather grow the economies in these particular towns. It's really a powerful ministry, and it's one that continues to encourage us and shape us here in Atlanta and in other partnerships around the world. Like the partnership we have in Haiti. Uh, our partnership in Haiti is with Laganov Haiti Partnership. Uh, and Laganov is an island off of the mainland of Haiti. It has about 120,000 inhabitants. We partner with the Episcopal Church there. They have 10 churches throughout uh, the island. And economic empowerment is one of their four staple ministries in this uh, work that they have. There's a couple of things I want to highlight here that I've learned from. There's a vocational program called Women's Projects, and it's a two-year stint that focuses on uh, teaching marketable skills to women who never finish their formal education. And when I say formal education, I'm talking about high school. So they have no ability to, to uh, have no uh, 
uh, skills rather to be gainfully employed into the marketplace. And so this program teaches them skills like embroidery and sewing and cooking and floral arrangements. Uh, they practice fair trade uh, with the U.S. And, and they ship their goods and they sell their goods here in the United States. And all the profits go back to support more women being trained so that they can be employed. Another example of uh, these microfinance programs lifting up these women and lifting up their communities. Since 2008, in fact, uh, microfinance loans have been, uh, have been given to recipients that have done all sorts of businesses and cottage industries. Goods have included food and oil, clothing, shoes, uh, household sundries, uh, cell phones, and cell phone cards. You wouldn't realize how big a business cell phone cards are for the burner phones in Haiti and the ways in which a lot of entrepreneurs are, are emerging out of the church to not only give themselves a boost, but to boost their larger community. In fact, there are 40 families, 40 families through this program that have received microfinance loans in three distinct communities. But the final thing that I wanna share with you, and the thing that I love so very much, I didn't grow up on a farm, I don't know nothing about agriculture, I know nothing about farming, but I've come to love goats. I love goats. And part of my love for goats came as I went to this farm, a goat farm that has a, a program, it's called the Goat Project. And it's trained, listen to this, 350 farmers, 350 farmers in goat husbandry since 2003. New farmers will begin coursework, basically, an enrollment in the program, and they'll learn to train and to take care of uh, and to breed goats. And at graduation, you know, we have graduations, you get a, a diploma. At this graduation, uh, you receive a pregnant doe. That's what you get for graduation. And then you have access to vet veterinarians and you have access to vitamins and medicines to take care of these goats. One thing that I have learned and one thing that I wanna to continue to celebrate and I wanna to continue to learn is the way in which economic empowerment really is a ministry of the gospel of Jesus Christ. When Jesus said to his disciples, I've come to give you life and life to the full, I see this as an example of that kind of life. So may we continue to support these ministries into the future here in Atlanta, in Haiti, in Kenya, and throughout the world. Amen. Today is what is known as World Communion Sunday. Members of the Christian family around the globe will make the time to worship and celebrate on this Sunday. Members will for sure celebrate the sacrament of Holy Communion. When we hear the scripture lesson that we are using for our meditations, we hear once again from the Apostle Paul and the Apostle Paul is known for a theme around the power of the cross. Therefore, when we read Paul's letter to the Christians in Rome, we're not surprised to also hear once again Paul referring to indirectly the power of the cross.
Paul says, I remember you always in my prayers, asking that by God's will, I may at last succeed in coming to you. For I am longing to see you so that I may share with you some spiritual gift to strengthen you, or rather, that we may be mutually encouraged by each other's faith, both yours and mine. Well, I can tell you that for many of us here at First Presbyterian Church of Atlanta, our mutuality is wrapped up in our relationship of providing bodily presence. You see, over a decade ago, I remember taking a trip to Brazil, and it was one of my first. I remember the long flights, the misconnections that we had going to Chicago and all, and finally, some 20 hours later, arriving at a hotel in Fortaleza. And when we arrived there, now mind you, I was more than a decade younger. <laughs> when we arrived there, I remember unfolding myself, trying to get out of the van that we were riding in. And at that point, we had a member who had brought his grandson with him. And those of us, most of us, all of us practically, were you know, trying to get out of this van and he was still in the van saying, no, I've got to go further. I've got, I've got to go to Perico. I must see this man. This man is teaching young people and he and his mother have hammocks laid out in their backyard. And I thought to myself, oh my goodness, he's gonna drive, he's gonna ride even further and it's already way into the night I cannot believe his faith. Well, we'll see you. So long. And sure enough, he stayed on the van, and the van drove him and his grandson on out to see this man and his mother who have these hammocks. Well, I must say, that he now is among the great cloud of witnesses. But I had the privilege just this past March to go back to Brazil. And when I went back, one of the places we traveled was out to the rural place that's not quite as rural as it was over a decade ago. But this lovely, peaceful place that still has these hammocks there. And what we saw was remarkable because it did not begin with those hammocks. It began when we stepped foot on the university campus and we learned that Andrade who's the man and his mother, that their methodology has not only helped the few in the community 
to learn how to pass the exam, the entrance exam into the university. But their methodology has now been adopted by the entire state. And therefore, when we landed on the campus of the university, we landed in a place where this vision has come to reality. So over a decade ago, it was just a vision. It was something that this member of ours said we must participate in. And now we are seeing the fruits of the labor. We're seeing the fruits of that bodily presence that made all the difference in their relationship. And we have the privilege of saying, yes, we are supporting the university. We're supporting the methodology that's being taught in this university now. And it was indeed a great joy for us to see the young people who are worshiping in a community much similar to ours because it's an urban community, but they are full of joy and full of the love of Christ. And these young people, I'm sure, will end up on this campus at some point. But it's just to go ahead and say that a vision can be very, very powerful when we have the power of the Holy Spirit operating within us. And I think sometimes we forget that piece. But my friends, that is what this table is all about. The fact that Jesus offered his bodily presence for each and every one of us so that we might have new lives right here on earth. One of the ways we have also witnessed the new life that comes through Christ is through our refugee resettlement program. Yes, we have asked for members to help with getting more, the cupboards, the cabinets cleaned out and getting plates set up and getting the furniture moved and Oh, thank God for some of the strong backs that have been here and have helped us to set up an apartment so that when this refugee family who's fleeing from their home of origin finds their new home and they walk in to a fully furnished apartment, the joy, the joy that we see on their faces is unbelievable. So please remember when we partake of this table that we're partaking in the fruit of what our Lord and Savior has given for us with his bodily presence being there on the cross. We now have the right to a new life in Christ Jesus. Let us share that love with our partners. Amen. Jesus.